Hello. We would like to say up front, thank you so, so much for giving this podcast a chance. It means the world to us. We would love to hear your feedback. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook as Unfolding Sound Podcast. Send us a message on either platform and let us know what you think. Once again, thank you so much for giving us a chance and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to our third episode of Unfolding Sound. This is April 27th, 2022, and uh, we have with us uh, Douglas Leach. Hello. And Adam Austin. Welcome. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get this show started. Uh, Hey guys, it's been about three weeks since the last time I ran into y'all. What's new in your world? Oh man, I saw Henry Rollins in Lawrence at a theater there doing his spoken word stand-up routine. That was pretty interesting. It's so wild to see the passage of time. So he does a stand-up routine? Well, he's very funny. He's a very comedic guy. I did not know that. uh, If there wasn't humor in it, you probably wouldn't be sitting through it. It's usually listed as like a spoken word tour or something like that, but he's been doing that for for a number of years 20 years Hmm. yeah he said the last thing he did for music was a benefit concert and it was just him and cindy lopper doing one of the old black flag songs (laughs) that's on youtube they say hey you got to look that up if anything just to see the look on his face because he's about to die he says i'm like old and i'm screaming and screaming and screaming rise again rise again he's about Hmm. to die and he's like i'm not gonna make it (laughs) wow and so he he just says everybody in the thing he's like when everybody go look at that video of course the more video he looks at it he'll get more money too so make sure everybody goes and watch that video if it's monetized <laughs> to him yes but that was, yeah so that was pretty cool and it's neat to see your heroes come back around and see what they were doing over covid and right he's good to see life shows coming back for sure yeah and he said he was about to die after all three years of not performing because you know he's he's kind of an action junkie you know he's got to be out and doing his thing right or he's just going stir crazy and he likes to travel and he couldn't travel in that whole period of time yeah so, the pandemic really did it to performers so much so so much so and in fact it's amazing that we have new releases now because yeah after three years of people not really doing anything i know a lot mm-hmm. of people were going into the studio but it's uh it's cool to see people actually getting together and making stuff more power to them oh well that's amazing that's amazing what about you doug you done anything exciting we did a couple things. I took the youngest kid out to go see a grandson at the Granada. It mostly went okay. Uh, she had hurt her ankle earlier that day, so she, she didn't end up sticking around for the whole thing. That but, sucks. But we caught the, the first two bands and a, a lot of grandsons said it was a good show. And I think it might have been sold out. Wow. <laughs> it was packed. Then over this past weekend, I made an effort to try to watch Danny Elfman's set from uh, Coachella, okay. uh, which was very interesting. Amazing composer. Well, so he did a mix of old Oingo Boingo stuff, uh-huh. his orchestra, you know, theme songs from like you know, Spider-Man, The Simpsons, Edward Scissorhands. But then he also did a bunch of stuff off of his uh, newer album, Big Mess, which was like borderline industrial. Hmm. Hmm. It, it's an interesting mix of like... Things weird... he couldn't normally put into movies that he's hired to do something like that but he sings on all of it does he still sound like he did when it was like it's a dead man's party a little he actually sounds a lot like chris Connolly, but danny elpin's way more famous so it'd be better to say it the other way around but <laughs> right but yeah it was an interesting set uh he has way more tattoos than i thought he would yeah like, he is covered <laughs> 
Huh. Yeah, you thought, oh, he's just a family guy, you know. Well, I mean... Because we didn't see that side of him in the 80s when he was Oingo Boingo. No, and then all the uh, film soundtrack stuff. He's normally in a suit. He's got glasses. He's got short hair. Uh-huh. He grew his hair out. He's not wearing glasses. And then he took his shirt off and his chest and his arms are all covered in tattoos. Was he cut, too? Was he, he was actually hands? he was just... actually pretty fit for a 60-year-old guy, yes. <laughs> he's a wow. And, Sounds like he's aged pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they had Josh Freeze on drums and uh, Wes Borland on guitar. Rock and roll. Yeah. It was a good show. That's pretty cool. Will had a birthday. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I turned 39, ladies and gentlemen. 39. 39. It's a 39 years age. old. Didn't do anything really majorly exciting. Uh, girlfriend and I went out to eat. Had a nice quiet evening, just kind of hung back home and relaxed. I was kind of sick for the most part. I caught the flu. Wasn't COVID. Ugh. I'm fine. But yeah, I was pretty sick for most of the weekend and uh, I kind of stayed at home and really didn't do much. Nothing too exciting in my world. Just the editing podcast too. And You think your girlfriend would be upset if you said it wasn't an exciting evening with her? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> so now would actually be a perfect time to jump into our music reviews. So I'm going to go ahead and let my colleague Adam kick off our first selection here. Hello, hello. Yes, this is our third podcast. And this is the third release from Liquid Tension Experiment. And this is prog rock, people. Wow. This is hardcore, stick it to it, prog rock. And it yeah. is every bit of that at a billion and a half miles an it's hour. It's the progiest rock. And yes. it's the progiest of the progiest rock. And you have a love-hate for it. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, that's just amazing. And then you're like, how cheesy can you get this? And will they stop? No. And then you're like, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. I'd say it's definitely a roller coaster. Well, they got to um, do something to fill in those 10-minute uh, song lengths. I know. Yeah, and there are, some definitely. of them are really long. The first one is short. It's like three yeah. minutes long, and it's an, it gives you a little bit of a taste. And then it keeps going, and it builds off of that over and over again. Um, where it gets cheesy, and like the second song for me was like, it's called Beat the Odds, and it starts out with like a blues rock thing. Like, you're Ralph Macchio, and then it turns out you're in the middle of a movie with battle montage. Some Hollywood actor is driving down the Rose Bowl parade doing the princess way at the very end you're like what the hell is that So it's four composers here, right? Four guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would, I would be really pressed to figure out who was doing what. Now, the interesting thing about this album, if you buy the album, it's one hour long, but there's a second disc or in there that's another hour of just improvisation. Right. And I did not listen to that, but in terms of how people approach writing music, a lot of people like to jam together, and this has all of the juicy tidbits of being a jam band, even though they all turn on a dime. I mean, you could be going like Hemi Demi Samuel Cravers, uh, you know, at a million miles an hour until yeah. you hit this point and then all of a sudden everybody breaks and they're all doing it together. It's uh, Mike Portnoy. He does drums for Dream Theater and, mm-hmm. and he's the front person pretty much. And and you sort can of. tell. you can Sort of, yeah. Sort of, kind of. And you can tell this was inspired by drummers. Well, well and, yeah. The, and he used to be the drummer for Dream Theater. He's Yeah, he was one of the founding members and then came back. What's interesting about this album is that these guys, you're not sure well, who's leading any direction, yeah. but everybody's ripping at a million miles an hour 
hard, getting to whatever point, and then all of a sudden they break into some postmodern scene change, and you, you know, it's like you're in a Warner Brothers cartoon, and the curtain drops, and all of a sudden you're in a dance hall in France in 1920. You know, it's just... as far as this album, there was a there was a part one and a part two, and this is. Part three, pretty much. This yeah, is also the reunion. Just, that's this is the yeah, third album yeah. of the group, and they're just called one, two, and three. That's the name of the albums. Okay. Right, one, two, okay. and three. There was not supposed to be a three, but this was a product of COVID, so they all got together and did this. And so, yeah, you get um, Tony Levin from King Crimson and Peter Gabriel and a bunch of other people, and then a lot of the guys from Dream Theater. And if you really like Dream Theater. I'm glad you like Dream Theater. I like Dream <laughs> Theater, but I can only handle so much Dream Theater. And this is definitely harder core in two ways. Number one, it's much more mathematical. Very mathematical, it's very just, integral. Yeah, yeah, and less dramatic. It's just, you know. It doesn't seem to take itself very seriously, which is good. Oh, uh, well, I think it takes itself even more seriously. I mean, with Dream Theater, I could say, are they taking themselves serious? Like, how many, you know, futuristic Austrian castle magic dramas can I feel like I live out when prog rock like that sometimes? But this is just a whole other level of... I, I really love how they fuse jazz into a lot of this, uh -huh. too. Uh, <laughs> Hypersonic, for example, it's got that instrumental jazz introduction uh -huh. to it. Yeah. Nice way to start off the album. Just switching genres everywhere. Yeah. What I kept thinking of was space fighter music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pretty much it just kind of takes you all over the place. It sounds like something that you would hear in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. It is the roller coaster ride of a video game, and that's for sure. And they give you lots of video game sensations, I think, in there. There's a lot. I mean, when you talk about like heavy metal or rock and roll and you got a keyboard in it it always has a certain sensibility to it and that's there right. definitely they do acoustic bass in there Tony Levin's playing some acoustic upright and he is making some crazy crazy noise he did a noise. beautiful job well and then, then you got a, what, Chris and Kevin's Amazing Odyssey where he's, oh, play, I, he's playing bass with a bow yeah he's playing bass with a bow and it's just bass and drums yep. and it's noise like I a love a good noise beautifully band. structured song and it's, got, just, uh, yeah. it's got that haunting growling on at the very beginning it's got that chaotic and subtle soloing in the background and then it builds up into a dirty march <laughs> yeah. synthesized pedals in comparison with the soloing it sounds really 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 good and and i understand that chris and kevin that's supposed to be two of the members right yes uh, yeah uh the the drummer and the bass player the uh, drummer and the bass player yeah. they just kind of switched out their names yeah it's like it's you know well kevin Le kevin Levine. there's always been like famous rhythm sections you know sly and robbie being like one of them these are all solo musicians you know so i i love to see them work in perfect confluence it's like they give each other their space to be to shine and just to get to be the weirdest hallucination <laughs> of anything they go and do gershwin's rhapsody in blue and they do it so many ways in so many ways oh, for 13 wow. minutes in so many ways what a cover and some 
sometimes it's like, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever heard in my life. And other times you're like, I can't believe they did that too. And then that, and then this, and then that, and then that, and this, and then that. It was like, <laughs> I felt like Team America, the sex scene with the dolls. You're like, is it going to go on another one? And then all of a sudden there it is. And you're like, wow, that was 13 minutes of... You know, how many day ways can you do Rhapsody in Blue? And I just kept thinking, it's like they, they did a Willy Wonka production of Gershwin, you know, and, and and your jaws dropped that they actually did that too. And, you know, at one time it's vaudeville, then it's show tunes. And it reminded me of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody as far as how theatrical well, and, yeah, and, and bonkers it was. <laughs> just how it just went all over the place. Yeah, It goes in so many directions. It sounds surfy and full of jubilee. It almost sounds cartoonish almost bordering gospel the whole fucking song is kind of like almost a little yeah, album in its own it self right yeah. i mean it was rhapsody in blue you know it was almost a little maddening <laughs> i'm like jesus fucking christ <laughs> enough yeah. already I mean, it's a sacred piece of uh, american history of music Right. I got the feeling like it was like one of their daughters or their wives who goes, you know, I just love Gershwin or his mom. I just, why couldn't you play Gershwin? You know, oh, I would imagine son. they're all just fans. Yeah, I'm sure they're fans, but you know, I could just see one of their moms going like, why don't you play Gershwin? Why do you play all this noodly stuff? Well, this definitely sounds like <laughs> music nerds at work. You know, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's nerd with a capital sure. on these. Yeah. Music it's... snobs at work. <laughs> Completely, 100%. And that's one of its faults, but it's one of the things you love about it, too. You know, there's yeah. a reason why you like hot sauce. <laughs> One of my biggest uh, criticisms about it, really, it's the keyboards. It's not that he's not a good keyboard player. He is mm. fantastic. It's the tone. Well, it's the fact that it sounds like he's like using default settings out of a Casio half the time. It's, like, it's, it's yeah. so 80s. That's why I'm saying it's cheesy. There, I think they're playing it up because it's 80s guitar tone. It almost sounds like they're trying to do that on purpose. The 80s, Maybe? It's the 80s uh, guitar tone, too. That's what's left over from Dream Theater. But it's, I guess to my mind, and it's probably because I you know, lived through that and then came out the other side, is... In my mind, it, that sound didn't age well, so people bringing it back, like, right. what are you doing? We got past right. this. That's the mind blankety blankety like, blank of what the whole it's like, thing do you have drives any, me nuts about it. Any idea how far keyboards have progressed since then? <laughs> yeah. They can sound really good. Why do you pick that sound? <laughs> like, if you're going to go retro, why don't you go Moog or Nostalgia, something like that? You know, yeah, Maybe. But yeah. like he said, he's playing it like a champ. But yeah, just the sound he picks, uh-huh. uh, at least but, on some of them. Right yeah. before they go off into that video game music, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Fighter, Bullet Hell music <laughs> they go into, which sounds pretty rad. I laughed the whole time. I think one of my biggest qualms with the album was that it was just so fucking much of it. <laughs> yeah, there was. I think to a certain extent, they kind of felt it too, you know. It kind of reflects on their last song, Yaman. <laughs> it's well, like they decided to like smoke a bowl. It's like, enough of this shit already. Let's well, just fucking sit down and we're done (laughs) 
I always found out like like Doug says, I wanted to dress it up. I mean, newer sounds like the yeah. '80s guitars. Yeah, those two things. That those are some of my biggest complaints. Though after, after you, <laughs> by the point by the time you get to your beard is good, you know, you I mean, you still appreciate and feel the music, but another part of you just kind of wants to tear your fucking ears out. You well, know? it's it, like enough already. It doesn't help. Well, that. actually, those are oh. all those those songs that you're mentioning are all the improv ones. That's what's even totally more messed up because oh. that's on the second CD part. Well, and that's what I was getting to is that when it first came out on Spotify, it was just it was about an hour long. They dropped that version. Now it's just the deluxe version, which is now two hours long. So you get two hours of nonstop prog rock and where it is all over the place and 10 minute songs and 13 minute songs and it uh, just goes. It's, it's, so not only do they get a top you on one level because, oh, well, it's one thing to memorize everything and you know musicians will get on each other it's like well you're just jamming you're just jamming that's no big deal right and then you got these guys did it both ways right they scripted it and then they jammed it wow. and like <laughs> they can do it either way well what are you gonna do yeah and they're just walking away buildings burning behind them pretty know? much yeah <laughs> yeah i mean why would you do another album after this they they did it all yeah so. <laughs> well it's more like three albums worth of Stuff yeah. that they well, stuffed into one album. In one album, yeah. yeah. So that would definitely be a band to see live. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think yeah. some of the sheen of the 80s sound would wear off in a live atmosphere. It normally does, yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. If they ever get out of New York, New Jersey. <laughs> the good and the bad and the ugly of a New Jersey carnival is what it <laughs> felt like to me. <laughs> right on. So moving on into our next album. Uh, the next selection is going to be by artist Riki and the album Gold. Go. So this was a pretty cool album. Synth pop, retro wave pop. Very pop, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as far as her artistic approach here, I thought it was a 180 from her first album. If her debut album was darker, this is definitely the lighter approach of it. Yeah, her, her previous album felt more goth. I think goth. I think witch house. I think minimal synth. But for though the first you do have album. for the first album, yeah. though you do have elements of minimal synth here, slightly on this one. Her but voice has that tinge. But it's definitely a lot more synth pop yes. on this one this time around. Yeah. She starts off with Low, which is a cool synth pop ballad. So as far as some of the themes in her album here, uh, so the first songs like uh, Marigold, Oil and Metal, these are pretty much love ballads. Uh, Oil and Metal kind of gets into a, kind of an old school Gary Newman approach kind of vibe with the beat. There's, it's very retro, I thought, uh, the album. There were times, you know, that I was like, oh, I want to hear Grace Jones right now, Sly and Robbie in the background. Next thing you know, It's No Secret come up, and it's a dub bass thing. I thought that one was pretty successful. It's definitely a vibey record for me you know it's very atmospheric it's hard to connect to the vocals for me on this one she's got a really nice low voice yeah, but yeah, it she sits does. in the mix with too much reverb on it and so it was hard for me to connect to the lyrics which you really have to do for a pop song See, i didn't think the reverb was like there's reverb on everything, everything on the album but i thought it was a light touch 
It was just over everything. Yeah. Just on her voice, like just being able to make out the words. You know, the fourth song had a good clean split on that. And I think sound separation, I'll say this a million times, sound separation is important. <laughs> well, to, to echo Will's point uh, the, on oil and metal, I was thinking it did have a very specific 80s sound. I, I didn't put a name to it, though, but... Something like Gary Newman, that that actually kind of fits. It, it does kind of have a, a... On oil and metal, that particular track. Yeah, yes. Kind of old school Gary. It has a, kind of a, almost a hollow feel to it with the drums. Like I said, I was having a hard time putting a name to it, but that, that works out pretty well. I think of you with glee, you are insatiable to me. I turn you into wanting and you're turning into me. Yeah, most of the drums, I think, were programmed. Everything was synth-driven. But the bass, the bass, I really liked the bass work in this one. It was, it was subtle. It was in the background. It did its job. It wasn't boring. It wasn't straight ahead. It wasn't just quarter notes, you know. There was some good classic yeah. 80s funk work brought in there. Well, it's got production credits from uh, Joshua Eustace from Telephone Tel Aviv. So he helped out in some capacity with production and mixing. I don't know how much of it was his and how much it was hers, but I, I would imagine that some of the better syncopations and whatnot were probably from him. Yeah, that was a lot of great synth work in it. I mean, for me, it, was, it had a definite Pet Shop Boys vibe to it in some yeah. early Depeche Mode. <laughs> and that's positive and most of it is danceable and it's also loungeable in that I sense. I see Pet Shop Boys, I see Visage, Ultravox, yeah. Bananarama, a little bit, yeah. Strawberry Switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> the, a lot of this album, you know, when you look at the videos too, it reminds me of Madonna's Material Girl phase, but none of the vocals leap out at you in that sense. But it's all very glamour oriented. Sometimes I felt like I was in a department store opening up and looking at Vogue magazine <laughs> right. when I was here. And, and, you know, and you open up the magazine, you land on the perfume sample and it's like, ooh. You're hit with that plume of glitter. It's a very kind of glittery album in it, terms of the. That is a very kind of accurate way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you contrast it with her previous album, uh, right? That's, which yeah. is very goth in nature, very witchy, and a lot sharper in the sound. This one is soft by comparison, like yes. you know, with the edges rounded off, like on the drums and whatnot. I think thematically, there's an irony in this that the album is titled Gold. It's uh, very glamorous. I feel like sometimes it's like a Tivolat. Everybody's dressed up, or she's always dressed up in costumes. There's wind blowing and things right. are glittery and there's lots of lipstick. There's some bad lip syncing in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're going to spend the time to make the videos. Like the lip syncing should be good. It's your song, right? And you the know? torpedo bra, yeah. Yeah, right. and then they're definitely pulling off some Madonna. Madonna had the torpedo bra thing. This one was crazy. It was like arms length straight out on either side. I like the chainmail bathing suit. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had lots of those. But yeah, it was very 80s when it was very, it's very posh. It's like making an attempt of a life of luxury. She's the yes. femme fatale. Just to give you an idea of how goth her background is, uh, her name is Nif Nawar, which is a name that she took from a Babylonian sorcerer. <laughs> 
Nif Noir. Nif Noir, like Noir, N-O-I-R. Nif Noir. Nif Noir. Uh, Nif Noir. Uh, pardon me if I'm butchering that. So when you take a look at her first debut album, you know, there was definitely a dark element of wonder, very witchy, very dark, very into the night, very experimental. But here it's a complete transformation. This is a power phase for her. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. This, this, is, th- now... this to me is a repackaging to me yeah. uh, of Riki. Ricky two point though, and and if this is a, a transformation that she's going for, I think that she's she's not far off. Definitely I mean, headed in a very awesome direction. I I definitely must say that I miss the old shit too, <laughs> which is what got me into her in the first place. That was the big appeal. Yeah, um, I could see this not appealing to the same crowd necessarily. Yeah, because this is definitely more of the Madonna crowd in a weird way. Sort of like an ways, indie Madonna, except for without the <laughs> song and dance routine. Still very beautiful well, music. Still very. Oh yeah, maybe maybe not the money for the choreography. Um, Like (laughs) watching some loungy, it's like a little. But uh, watching some of her live videos, it it reminded me a lot of Kanga in that respect, where it was just her up on stage and she's Mm -hmm. dancing and she's singing and she's using all the electronics up on stage. Right, but it was just her. Exactly, uh, I think the same thing too. You know, she's a powerhouse live when she does performances. I've seen videos of her and I saw her at Cold Waves too. Okay. She does amazing performances on her own. She plays the electric recorder on stage, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Like the digital recorder. Yes. It created an interesting vibe for sure. It was very like you're at the top of the food chain and you have the rooftop club and you're hanging out with Ricky. And the candles all blow out at the same time. So you're in the club with Ricky, and she looks a lot like Mia Jovovich, actually. I like some of the themes that she touches up on on this album. It's No Secret, for example. Uh, she goes into a sense of loss. Yeah. And there's definitely I... longing, searching, And, and that song is very dub. It is very dub. It's one of my favorites on that. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because with Oil and Metal, I was wanting to hear Grace Jones with Sly and Robbie because that's what was reminding me for some reason. And then up pops No Secret. And the bass work on it is really good. If I haven't mentioned that, I think the bass work is really nice on this album. It's got that really soothing saxophone in the background. I thought it was really cool. the one thing that makes me feel like it was a live effort you know not just like cookie cutter process synth stuff well, was... and if you're going for the saxophone one then Florence and Selena again that's yeah. a really awesome the track I, I, really, I really I thought it was like a flash dance I was like oh it, it goes for it, it it's it's it, almost it, cheesy but yeah <laughs> she's really like I'm really going for this right now and like, it's a good way to close out the album it's a really nice way yes I really love the way that that bass line just kicks in at the beginning of the song you know it's like the perfect song that you listen to the moment you get home from work and you just kick off your shoes and you turn that song on and you turn on the lamp and you know if you're a drinker you pour yourself a glass of wine if you're like me who doesn't drink uh, you uh, grab yourself an energy drink it's kind of the opposite uh, but yeah (laughs) slip into some pajamas and get comfortable and uh, put on something romantic on Netflix because your romantic life sucks (laughs) so hot chocolate with that too with marshmallows with some vodka yeah Goldschlager (laughs) and that ladies and gentlemen was our plug for the evening 
even when I did drink, a Goldschlager was not really appealing to me. So, I mean, <laughs> Some I'm, I'm minty not, thing with I'm not gold keen on drinking metal. That was yeah. just never... <laughs> no, but despite her new approach, you know, she still touches on some more serious themes. Sonar, for example, there's again that sense of mental dissatisfaction and longing. Yeah. That sort of depression right there that you kind of feel also and it's no secret. There's an artist here trying to find something, trying to discover something. Yeah, you to... definitely feel like she's aiming for something. Last Summer <laughs> also kind of gives that Lost Girl vibes touch to it. And then you go into songs like Victor, pretty much telling a haunting story of, of a man who's kind of here today and gone tomorrow without any emotions <laughs> cold and calculated it's got a really catchy melody men men yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then she jumps into her Spanish song, Por qué te vas? Uh-huh. Yes. You know, again, more longing, the pain of being forgotten. What does that translate at? I looked up the title, but I don't remember, but I don't know any of the rest of the song. <laughs> and I guess just to juxtapose it on her first album, she has a song that she sings in German. So, yeah, multilingual. Yeah, definitely transcending cultural barriers. It's definitely a song about missing a love that is no longer there. I'm bilingual, so that was really cool. <laughs> and easy for me. Yeah. Yeah, but what... So, por qué... Uh, am I but, saying that uh, right? But she, she says, Todas las promesas de mi amor se irán contigo, me olvidarás. I liked all it of, in Spanish. All of the promises <laughs> of my love will go with you, and you will forget me. Oh, you oh will seems to have really shitty luck with guys <laughs> it makes the best songs but yeah despite I mean, the glamour Taylor Swift walks career. away you yeah. have another one Victor that turns everything into gold there's more gold well is it what the taste of success is this what's going on with her she became successful and she's in videos and now she's it's separated or alienated her from her loves or is it a Ike and Tina Turner story hey uh, ho- mm. hopefully not for her sake yeah well. hopefully so no <laughs> I can't see her going down that nasty rabbit hole <laughs> does anyone <laughs> especially with music and money and fame oh, but the album was really fun it was pure pop I like it. I definitely enjoyed it. Definitely a lot more marketable for many more audiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what also, like any other artist that's trying to grow and market their career, is definitely what they're going for as well. I do hope that at some point she does resurrect some of the original stuff that we fell in love with. Or a mix. Oh, well, one thing's for sure. You know, this is one of those artists that's definitely ever evolving, and they're always going to keep us on our toes with something new. I definitely appreciate that. We're going to kick off our next segment. I'm going to go ahead and let uh, my colleague Douglas Leach take it away. Go ahead, Doug. All right. Next, we're going to be talking about Carpenter Brute and his new album, Leather Terror. Carpenter Brute is a dark synthwave band out of uh, France. This is his third album. I have to say that I wasn't a fan of his earlier work. I kept bouncing off of it, even though it was kind of in my, should have been in my wheelhouse. It's right. very uh, kind of a slightly harder synthwave, but with a lot of horror movie elements added to it and things like that. It wasn't until I heard the song Imaginary Fire, which has vocals by Greg Puccito from Dillinger Escape Plan and the Black Queen, 
Wayne, right. who I'd been listening to quite a bit just before that song came out. I heard it and I was just instantly drawn in. Like that was a great song. The song just rocks. Pusciato, <laughs> am I saying that correctly? He did, I think so. He, I'm, he did a I'm great job with, with that. Great vocal arrangements and melody. Progressive electronic tracks fused in with metal, and they do an excellent job in carrying Pusciato's voice in that track. I thought yes. it was pretty awesome. It kind of feels like his Black Queen stuff, but it's different production value because well, it's a different guy producing it. The other one, it took me a little while to, to grow into, but I, I got there was uh, Widowmaker with Gunship doing vocals on that one. I which, love that one. Yeah. That was really good. They kind of take a turn into Retro Wave there. Yeah. And that's what Gunship does. Is that That's their genre. Right. They did a great job with Widowmaker. It's got very awesome melodic peaks. Come watch us burn on this island of lost souls. It's just lyrics that elevate the listeners. They're very dirty. It's really awesome. This album is very interesting. It goes from industrial to blues to metal to retro. On the opening title, it mm. kicks off with the electro-industrial noise in the background, raising tension. And then it goes into Straight Out of Hell, which is blast beats. It's yep. got a speedy beat. It kind of uh, reminds me of Cell Dweller almost, as far as the way that they program everything. I can see that, yeah. Nice and crunchy. Nice and crunchy. I, to me, it's on the uh, Charms Blow Pop or the Tootsie Roll pop method. Mm. You know, you got something crunchy on the outside and then you get through it there's something sweet on the inside the general idea he had on this was there was a main character who was kind of a serial killer but he's pining over this cheerleader from high school that he was wanting to impress and he's in a band called Leather Patrol and all this other stuff and he's got a lot of it's like there's a lot of plot going on there that the album doesn't necessarily convey but there's music <laughs> videos for it and things like that the cover of the album definitely doesn't sink in with the music for the most part for me. You know, I, when I saw the cover of the album, I thought it was going to be something darker and heavier. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was my issue with the earlier stuff is that it's got the same motique, but it's like it's even more right. synth wave and like just less dark in general and even going back and listening to it again after i listened to this album yeah it still didn't work for me this album though worked really well for it's, me it's <laughs> a funny combination of hardcore and like well gay disco maybe you know well, on some level you know it, it takes turns into retro wave you know and when you, yes, and when you, and when you th does. and when you listen to retro wave you don't really think of terror and right then you know you got tracks like day stalker for example that's a straight retro wave power hit Good dance floor energy right there with that one. D yeah, Daystalker and Night Prowler. Are just, Night Prowler like, was the are other great one. Great combo retro. stuff. Minimal synth. It's pretty much the Evil Boss stage track. It's got that grim synth <laughs> in the background. Stage track. It, it does. It does sound like literal video game music.
kind of takes a quiet tone with good night goodbye with over am yeah. i saying that correctly over i think so it's a slow contemplative jam being led with a piano i don't get the 1929 reference in i there. don't either <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because that lyric sticks out for some reason, but I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but it does kind of take you back into this solemn mood of depression and dissonance. This is one of those projects that has collaborators on board instead of an actual frontman, right? Well, so Carpenter Brood is one guy. For this album, he's bringing in a guest artist to help help out. Mostly just guest singers, but right. he's got that a little bit on some of his other albums, but to a much lesser extent. He's got some great collaborations here. Well, you got the uh, straight up just you know, 80s synthwave, uh, Lipstick Masquerade with Persia. It is the most kind of classically 80s sounding pop song. That is proverbial 80s. It's got all the fire and the flair and all the adventure of the 80s. It's a straight retro wave ballad right there. I thought it was pretty awesome. And then he's got the Stabat Mater featuring Sylvain. Yeah. Goes back into that solemn and dark tone capturing despair like ushering an era of darkness almost. It's kind of a huge transition from going to 80s almost Night in the Roxy meets goth to... <laughs> it's not overly simplistic. It gets to explore itself in that sense. And then, uh, yeah, that that track being all you know, slow and somber then is basically the intro for the next part, uh, Paradisi Gloria, if I'm saying that right, which is a lot more of a driving track, but it just blends straight into it. It blends straight into it. It's got that same slow, dark, ambient march to it. It's kind of got that ambient of terror it's it's like that last quarter of the album is ushering in impending doom yeah welcoming in leather terror the song itself yes which has a uh, traditional black metal vocals <laughs> stabat paradis and leather terror sounds like a three-part song almost yeah a bit it's kind of a got that welcome to hell kind of vibe metal organ and menacing drum breaks into a menacing beat with a message of despair and doom <laughs> Yeah, I was looking to see how many times I might have missed Carpenter Brood if they've ever come through town. And it turns out probably a lot more people have seen this band in the United States than I was thinking because they were the opener for Ghosts several years back when they were playing fairly big shows. So it was back in like 2015, 2014, I think. Something like that. A lot more people than I would have thought of have seen this band. It feels like they're fairly underground, but it's funny. This is the first time that I've ever heard of this project. Yeah, it's new to me. But uh, it, it was somewhat reminiscent of some other bands like. Uh, Dance with the Dead and Perturbator. Yeah, I had to look up Stabat Mater, if I'm saying that right. It's a 13th century Christian hymn to Mary that portrays her suffering of Jesus' death during his crucifixion. Oh, wow. Fun times. So, yeah. Great. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's death of a child. That's a weird thing. How that relates to a cheerleader who makes fun of a... <laughs> <laughs> or serial killer, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> so do we know more about the project's fascination with terror movies and horror? I wasn't able to actually find much, like, interviews with the main, right. main guy out of the band. So he seems to be a, a little on the mysterious side. <laughs> but uh, he's just a fan of horror movies, which is where part of the name comes from. Carpenter from John. Mysterious how. He goes shopping at 3 a.m. <laughs> Something like that. Well, 
watching some of their live show stuff, there's three people up on stage and there's a guy that's playing guitar and he's got like the leather jacket on. He's got right. long hair, which is kind of what's on the cover of the album. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's not him. I'm pretty sure it's the unassuming, like maybe slightly balding bearded guy behind the keyboards because this is a keyboard driven <laughs> band. It's I like, see it's a female on a lot of the cover art too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think he likes to project kind of the image of the band and uh-huh. not necessarily be out there with it himself, mm-hmm. which I, I can totally respect. Yeah, this is actually supposed to be the, the second part of the story, the first part being on his uh, other album, Leather Teeth, but I, which, I, I haven't been able to follow it in a story sort of way. If so, you're going to yeah. go through that much trouble to say, this is a, an album about this girl and this guy, and here's the plot. Where's the movie? Well, the video for uh, Widowmaker, it, it has a bit of that. It, and it's a fun video, slightly whorish, but not too bad, where they have like glitter and bubbles as a stand-in for blood. and it, It's good. <laughs> That's good. That's a good twist. I like that. That's that sounds pretty interesting. You know? And then they, uh, they put together that music video for Day Stalker and Night Prowler, where they just jammed them together into one like YouTube video. The video is nothing but clips from horror movies. Yeah, yeah. And it, it works <laughs> very very well there's two predominant colors red and black (laughs) one of my takeaways from this project is that like Riki the previous album that we were reviewing uh, this album it's very versatile it's definitely all over the place it's like a chameleon it's able to change styles yeah it does a good job of not being redundant exactly which is what I thought was a nice thing about this album it's too many times people just get stuck on one thing with the Riki album it definitely set a mood it was definitely mood music this is a little bit storytelling but if you're gonna listen to the whole album you're not stuck there right exactly you know what i mean but there's tons of stuff that you would listen to over and over again like in a dance club gives you a lot of great variety there's moments to take you to the dance floor with some great retro wave beats i was just so taken aback about how sentimental some of it was you know (laughs) Like, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Exactly. Like a candy store. Like a candy store. Just a a lot of variety, a lot to sink your teeth into. Some juicy emotional stuff. There's definitely plenty of emotional content here for sure. Going back to Good Night, Goodbye, that was definitely one of the more emotional tracks of the album. Yes. you through Daystalker, the next one, a roller coaster ride. And then Night Prowler, again, straight retro, minimal synth, all the way through Lipstick Masquerade and Color Me Blood. Yep. It's a complete shift of styles. And as I remember, it kind of did a fade that way through the album. It started out more aggressive, and then as it went on. It, it, yeah, it definitely had peaks and valleys, and it, it had transitions. Uh-huh. Yes, I, I think he's becoming a better songwriter, or a better album maker, so to yeah. speak, where it's a well-put-together album. It doesn't stay in one spot for too long. It's also not a super long album. You can get through it pretty fast. But it's got a lot of ups and downs, decent amount of variety. Gives you a lot of styles to sink your teeth into. As far as my first impression, I definitely would listen to more of what they put out again. Yeah. I, I can't say I was a fan before, oh, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan on this one. Yeah. yeah I'd like it, to hear their previous work also, just to kind of get an idea. Yeah. Is there more of this horror element to it, if you will? Yeah. That's a theme throughout all of it. So he's got two full 
full-length albums. He also did the soundtrack for a uh, Amazon Prime movie show, three-part series, whatever, called Blood Machines, oh. which is very Soundtracks. very stylized sci-fi, not really horror. Well, I totally got a sci-fi vibe off this one. Oh, yeah. It started off, I was like, oh, I'm in the serial production of Blade Runner, the <laughs> series, you know? Yeah. I was like, I could totally put myself there in the very beginning of it. Yes. Yeah, and it was a good lead-off for sure. Straight out of hell, definitely had huge sci-fi vibes to it for sure i was impressed that they resisted using that straight out of hell sample that thrill kill cult uses like all the time because <laughs> as soon as i saw the name of the album i just kept expecting it and it never came so good on them for you know restraint <laughs> psych Friday the 13th came to mind constantly throughout this album. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's what he's going for, is just trying to invoke, especially slasher movies, feeling right there. Yeah, it's what well, every horror movie is. That is which is beyond your control. I'm not sure I still understand the leather terror part of it, though. You know, when I think leather, you know, I think leather family, BDSM. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, they're in the disco. It's a leather terror. And it's like, oh, so. Yeah, I'm like, what kind of music is this going to be? Is this going to be like <laughs> Thrill Kill Cult disco shit? Or... <laughs> it has a slight feel to it in that, but yeah, it not does. so much. I mean, I get but, the Depeche Mode But scarier. <laughs> well, in the previous. Depeche Mode. No, it's, it's, it's nothing like that at all. Nothing in the previous. Like album had an even more confusing title with leather teeth yeah uh, you cannot uh, judge a book by its fucking cover <laughs> you just can't it's french there's something it's french that, we'll, we'll blame it on that it's french and they have a different take on it fucking french yes the french you know we just don't understand them apparently not apparently not nor can we speak their language no we, or we, pronounce we. it properly we we but i, I mean, can't pronounce english properly. different in english when you say we we but their food is delicious Except for Limburger. Fuck me if I will. I will never try that shit. And escargot? Huh? Escargot? I, I try escargot. I try insects. Yeah. I, I have a pretty well-rounded tongue. I try pretty much most of anything. Oh, Any, anything except a, a, a cow's dick or a cow's <laughs> testicles or any animal's genitalia for that matter. I'll, Brains. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'll try I'll try certain insects perhaps. I'll try tarantula. Scallops. Everyone's favorite big scallops but it's a worm kind of a thing inside a shell it is i don't know you know it's it's the same thing also i mean i i don't like uh phlegmy foods (laughs) (laughs) when you you describe it like do you know geoducks have you ever seen it no (laughs) it's a giant sea penis it's a geoduck and it comes out of a clam it's another one and it's a big clam like this and it sprouts out and it looks just like google it on the internet they're like at your own peril at your own peril there are <laughs> so it's a thing in asia i guess to watch people eat food i'm googling like, right now <laughs> googling geoduck it's like g-e-o-d-u-c or something like that a geoduck oh god that shit is gross looking <laughs> You think Geoduck, you think it's going to be something cute? You know, well, like a Pokemon? I choose look Geoduck. At the, look at the videos cute of the little, little Asian girl little eating the Geoduck. And then you'll be like, oh my gosh. I'm sure that's somebody's fetish. But, you know. It's, it, it's enough for billions of people around the world to make it famous. <laughs> fair enough. 
It looks like a fucking weird penis in a shell. No, thank you. I will pass <laughs> on that. A little XTC off of there, you know. Yeah, dick in a shell. Or that okay. was dick in a box. Yeah. I take my statement back. I will try most things. <laughs> except for Not animals, genitalia, and this fucking thing. What do you like even... How do you even make this shit? Who do you like... How do you eat Our this? listeners right now are going like, oh my God, what are they talking about? What is this? I have to look at it. For those at home, can you give us a proper spelling? It's, it's amazing. It, he, it, it, it exists. And it is it a delicacy. It looks like a snail with a really, really huge dong. For those who can't see, everyone here is on their phones Googling I, I, <laughs> to I've see what this is. For our audience at home, the proper spelling of Geoduck is as follows. G-E-O-D-U-C-K. Oh, oh yes. All right. Thanks to our editor. They here. might as well have just changed that. To geodick. <laughs> it, does sound, it does sound like a Pokemon. That would be a, that would be very appropriate. It does sound like a Pokemon for sure. That that's the first mental image that I saw. Not but, this. <laughs> oh God, what is this? Is, is, is a it Pokemon Earth or is it water? Penis? Childhood ruined. <laughs> yeah, it's completely. It's Earth Run for away. Geo and water for duck. Geoduck. Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure, the French cook good food, some of it that I will not eat. <laughs> and uh, they the make wine. great, great, great music. And uh, this is some amazing work. Great track production, great collaborations. I thought that this whole album was just absolutely spectacular. Yeah. It's got a funky beat. I can get down to it. It's got many funky beats. I suppose it's got a funky beat. I could slash anyone to it. It's got a variety so of funky beats. <laughs> it's kind of like a dark little smorgasbord. It's a party at the disco. Yes. The chainsaw. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight for our third podcast. I'm Adam Austin with Doug Leach and Will System. It's time for us to retire for the evening, put on another record, pour ourselves a drink, or make a pot of soup. But we'll be looking forward to meeting with you guys next time and exploring another episode of Unfolding, Unfolding Sound. Sound.